mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the number of American children who are fully vaccinated is now at a 10-year low. Ahead of back-to-school time, it's not just important for their own benefit. Also this morning, it may be one of the most misunderstood immunizations ever introduced, but the much-maligned HPV vaccine could prevent thousands of cancer diagnoses each year. Want to be sure to take time to enjoy the great outdoors before the kids are back in school with August programs and activities from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening and happening around town in case you missed it. The annual Flag City Night Out event happens later today at Riverside Park. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. So the U.S. is through to the knockout stage in the World Cup. Early this morning, the wee hours, uh, the U.S. knocked off, or no, I'm sorry, uh, played to a draw, a scoreless draw against Portugal, which, um, man, backs to the wall. They really needed a win. I mean, a draw would, would was was enough to get them through. They just couldn't lose. Draw could get them through, but just barely. And that's not a real familiar place for the United States when it comes to women's soccer, is just barely getting through. But that's kind of where we are. Into the round of 16, but it was uh, not pretty, the group stage for the Americans. And there have been a lot of people, a lot of fans, who are saying this has been a very lackluster uh, performance by the uh, women so far in the World Cup. You know, over the past several years, the women have been embroiled in a battle to earn equal pay with the men's uh, national soccer team. And uh, they've been playing like the men, (laughs) just barely hanging on uh, in this World Cup. And some folks speculated that they're sort of complacent. A lot of talent on this team, but that they were just kind of complacent. Somebody, some have questioned some of the uh, coaching moves. I think those are valid criticisms based on what I've seen. But uh, more than anything, I think the rest of the world is just getting better. I mean, for many, many years, it was the United States and everyone else when it came to uh, women's soccer on the world stage. And uh, the rest of the world is just getting better, which is good for the sport. But it's uh, not a shoe-in for the Americans anymore when it comes to uh, World Cup success. Um Two-time World Cup champions. We just two-time defending World Cup champions and um, trying to make it a historic third World Cup in a row. And it's not looking really encouraging based on the uh, group stage uh, matches. But the United States not the only uh, team that has had a disappointing World Cup. There have been a number of, of uh, teams that much was expected going in that have kind of floundered a bit. In fact, uh, Canada that won the gold medal at the most recent Olympics, they are out. They didn't even advance out of the uh, group stage, uh, which was a surprise. So Canada is out. At least we're in. And I believe uh, up next will be either Italy or Sweden. I think we play the winner of Group G, which appears that it's going to be Sweden, but it could be Italy. Um, I think those... Uh, those games have yet to be played, so we don't know exactly who it will be that they will play next. But, again, at least we're through. Anyway, So, uh, yesterday, I um, I got my new, new driver's license. I have a birthday coming up and uh, renewed my driver's license and um, got it in the mail uh, yesterday because they, they mail them now. So, uh, last week, I went to, uh, went to the DMV and I... You know, renewed my license, had my photo taken and all of that. And I thought it was okay when they showed me the photo uh, when I had it taken for my driver's license. I thought, okay, that's fine. Uh, when I got my driver's license back then yesterday in the mail, I was like, ooh. <laughs> Does that happen? I mean, I don't think anybody likes their driver's license picture, but uh, it just not it didn't look as good as it did when I saw it after it was taken. I don't know. Um... This is kind of interesting. Speaking of the uh, DMV and driver's license uh, pictures and so on, um, maybe this is something you have also wondered about. Uh, It was certainly something a social media user uh, who is thrumming thrumming through an old yearbook 
questioned, are people nowadays uglier than we used to be? <laughs> are, we, are we uglier than we used to be? According to uh, Shafi Hassan, the founder of the facial aesthetics consultancy firm, Quoves, Q-O-V-E-S, they're out of Sydney, Australia. And according to this facial aesthetics consultancy firm, um, and she posted about this on uh, on YouTube. She says, uh, this is actually a, a question, and uh, there are many theories about this. But, he says, in his opinion, it comes down to the functional matrix hypothesis, meaning our faces are the result of what forces we put on them. He contends that back in the day, an upper and a lower jaw were on average stronger looking that made people appear, especially younger people, made them appear more mature than they were and also more attractive. Nowadays, he says, with poor diets, bad sleep patterns, and our habit of constantly stooping over our digital devices, our posture is terrible and we're getting jowls, we're getting double chins, we're getting a weaker jaw far earlier than our analog only counterparts of previous generations. So basically that's a long and involved way of saying, yeah, we're getting uglier. We're um now this has become, I guess, a big debate on on social media. A lot of folks uh commenting on this in the back and forth. One user blamed iPhones for taking substandard pictures compared to film in the old days. Uh, Others claimed that uh, older photos, um, in in older photos, people have old man haircuts. Even younger people have old man haircuts, which throws off how old we might perceive them to be. Hmm. And uh, one person said, if... If you think people are always more attractive in older photos, you haven't seen enough old photos. So, okay, there's probably something uh, to that. But anyway, the long and short of it is, at least according to this consultant, facial aesthetics consultant, which I didn't even know there was such a thing, uh, the long and short of it is, yes, we are, in fact, getting uglier than we used to be. So, kind of interesting. Some of the other most interesting, that was my day yesterday. I got my driver's license. Anyway, a couple of other um, items among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, Speaking of uh, driver's licenses, I, I mentioned my birthday is coming up, which is why I had to renew my driver's license. And I have noticed the... The older that I get, more and, pe- more and more people are coming up to me saying, how much longer do you think you're going to do this job? You know, how, many, how many more years are you going to do this show? <laughs> uh, maybe people are trying to tell me something. I'm not sure. But I seem to be getting that question more and more often. <laughs> people wondering when I'm going to retire. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll probably be here uh, forever. But uh, if you are... Uh, of a certain age, and you're thinking of uh, retiring and maybe heading to a new locale, where are you going to live in retirement? A notable migration trend is emerging in the real estate market as people seek respite from the soaring costs of high-priced coastal cities, which is, I think that's when, you know, the, the dream for a lot of people is to, you know, go someplace, live on the beach, you know, be a beach bum or, or what have you, or just... You know, relax in a tropical setting, something like that. But the cost of living in places like that along the coast, in the south and the southwest, is becoming uh, incredibly prohibitive these days. And uh, so it's interesting, the migration trends, the online real estate brokerage Redfin.com has been tracking the trends of where people are moving or where they're considering moving And they say nearly 26% of property search inquiries on their website are now directed towards cities where uh, people don't currently reside. People are looking for uh, places that are less expensive. 26% of all, and this is not just retirees, this is everybody. 
26% of property search queries are now directed towards cities where the uh, people who are doing the searching don't currently reside. That is the highest percentage since 2017, indicating a significant shift in homebuyer preferences. So anyway, uh, this is what I thought was interesting. The top 10 cities that people are looking to relocate to. Top 10 cities people are looking to move to. Las Vegas, Phoenix, Tampa, Orlando, Sacramento, Sarasota, Cape Coral, Florida, Dallas, Miami, and Houston. Uh, which none of those are particularly affordable, I, I don't think. It's just those are the places where people want to live, apparently. The top 10 cities people are leaving, San Francisco, New York City, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Boston, Seattle, Hartford, Denver, and Detroit. Those are the top 10 cities people are uh, looking to leave, according to the latest. So I guess... I mean, it's at Vegas and Phoenix and Orlando, uh, Miami. Those are pretty expensive places to live. But I guess compared to Seattle and Chicago and D.C. and New York, L.A., certainly San Francisco, they're probably cheaper. But uh, kind of interesting, the places that we're looking to go to and where we're leaving. I don't make of that what you will. Uh, let's see here. And a couple of other, uh, items. Well, one other item here among the first things you need to know this morning. Uh, this apparently is the, the latest viral TikTok trend. Um, apparently online, they're racking up millions of views. TikTokers are, is that what we call them? TikTok, uh, influencer, TikTok celebrities. Apparently, these TikTokers are racking up millions of views simply by rolling glass bottles downstairs. <laughs> that's the latest. That's the latest uh, craze: rolling glass bottles downstairs. One user has 25 videos with over two and a half million followers and 37 million likes for the videos of rolling glass bottles downstairs. In this trend. Creators take glass jars filled with things like food or alcohol or marbles or pasta sauce and roll them down a flight of stairs. And, of course, the glass bottles break at some point and the contents splatter all over the staircase. Very few bottles make it all the way to the end. And this is supposed to be entertainment. Followers of the trend claim that it is oddly satisfying. (laughs) Uh, Emphasis on the word oddly in that case. Anyway, I think we have uh, officially hit critical mass on these TikTok trends. I think we are out of ideas. We are officially out of ideas if this is what (laughs) we are doing for entertainment. There, There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high in the low 80s, just a few clouds tonight, a low around 60. The popular community event Flag City Night Out is happening tonight in Findlay. Police officer Brian White says the free family-friendly community event is designed to bring community members and public safety professionals together in the same place. Getting out there and getting among the crowd and the kids, that's one of the best things that we can do and we enjoy hanging out with everyone. Flag City Night Out will include free food and refreshments, live demonstrations, entertainment, and other fun activities. And the kids always enjoy the big assortment of emergency vehicles that are on hand, like fire trucks, ambulances, and police cruisers. Flag City Night Out gets underway tonight at 6 at Riverside Park. Give more details on our website. Hancock County Job and Family Services is again offering its school clothing program for the upcoming school year. This program will give families up to $225 per child the school year for clothing. It's open to eligible families in Hancock County. Job and Family Services Director Randall Galbraith says people can call for more information or stop by their office at 7746 County Road 140 in Findlay. And you can also get more details in the story on our website. 
The Ohio Department of Natural Resources is accepting applications. State wildlife officers are crucial to regulating and protecting wildlife, waterways, and properties. Potential trainees must be U.S. citizens at least 21 and have a valid driver's license. Applicants must also have an associate's degree or complete an undergraduate court program in fish and wildlife management, criminal justice, environmental law enforcement, or related fields. Eric Brown, ONN News. Bluffton's calendar will read 1933 in the village's first ever Bluffton History Day on Saturday, August 12th, as the 90th anniversary of the Dillinger Bank robbery in Bluffton is recalled. Bluffton historian Fred Steiner says in August of 1933, John Dillinger and gang members held up the Citizens National Bank. The FBI called Dillinger public enemy number one, giving Bluffton its 20th century 15 minutes of fame. Get more details on the upcoming event in the story on our website. I'm Matt Demchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So, you know, over the uh, past couple of days, we've been uh, speaking about back-to-school time. And I know a lot of kids probably don't want to hear this. And even some parents are not necessarily ready to think about this. But it is only about a month away for most area students. In fact, uh, Findlay City School is going to be heading back in less than a month now. And so we've talked about uh, the school supplies uh, thing. We talked about uh, getting the kids all their new school clothes uh, yesterday and programs uh, for that. In our cover story this morning, I want to talk about uh, this uh, fact that really stood out to me when I saw this on the Newswire yesterday. The number of American children who are fully vaccinated is now at a 10-year low. So ahead of back-to-school time. Uh, We're speaking this morning with Shannon Chamberlain. She is Director of Community Health Services for Hancock Public Health about the importance of having your kids fully inoculated. And Shannon, as we mentioned, it is not just for their benefit, but for the benefit of all of their classmates uh, as well. Yes, so thank you for having me this morning. Um, So yeah, the important thing is is that we want children to stay in school and be healthy. And with the decline in the vaccinations, it's inevitable that outbreaks will happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that with that comes more sickness, more illness. And for those children that are not fully vaccinated, they the caveat, even if they have an exemption, is that they'll be not allowed in the school during that outbreak time. Yeah, um, and can be carriers of something yes. that someone else's kid may come down with. Uh, again, we get into that uh, category of herd immunity. We've yes. heard that term many Mm -hmm. times but it is a real thing and it only we only get there because i know one of the the uh, counter arguments uh from those who are skeptical of vaccines Mm -hmm. is that if if your kid is vaccinated why do you care whether my kid uh is vaccinated well it doesn't exactly work that way right so in order to achieve herd immunity it depends on those specifics on what percentage we need depending on each vaccine or each disease Mm -hmm. but if we don't reach that herd immunity then we're just going to continue to pass those diseases around and around. And, you know, we really, those healthy kids that can get the vaccine, we want those to get them so that they can protect those kids that can't get the vaccine. For example, you know, if a kid's getting cancer treatments or they have some other autoimmune that they have that they can't Mm -hmm. receive the vaccine, I mean, even if they did receive it, their body wouldn't respond to yeah. it so we need to protect them so we referenced uh that report uh that uh vac- number of children who are fully vaccinated is a 10-year low and you mentioned uh before we went on the air there are reports uh, some estimates that it could be even uh, like a 30-year uh low which is disturbing now that being said uh this report does go on to say that it's only one percent that haven't received a single shot so the number of completely unvaxxed kids uh, is is relatively low, but 17% of children are not up to date on their vaccinations. I think this is probably fairly easy for a lot of families to kind of fall into that category without realizing it, because it's not mm-hmm. something that we necessarily... Uh, this is the first thing that we that we think of. We get caught up with all of the other things, especially around back to school. Yes, absolutely. So that's why we want everyone to add this to their to do list yeah. before end of August, beginning of September. Um, you can go to Ohio ODH Ohio.gov. They've got the summary there for what each grade. So typically, 
what the school nurses and the schools are looking at is incoming kindergartners, 7th grade, and 12th grade. So those are the kind of milestones. Those are the milestones. We really are trying to look more at age-appropriate vaccines so Mm -hmm. they can get their shots at 4, 11, and 16. Um, That way they're getting them age-appropriate. It makes it so they're not rushing in right before school, beating those crowds yeah. what what is what is the battery i mean that's I, I think part of the other challenge for a lot of people is not knowing you know how do i know whether my kids are, are up to date on their vaccinations how do i know what they need how many uh is it i don't mean to necessarily put you on a on the spot no you're but, I mean, fine i don't know what that percentage is but i can say at the health department on a daily basis we'll get calls of I'm not sure if my child needs vaccines. Can you look that up? Mm-hmm. So one good thing I would say that came out of COVID is um, Impact Sys. That's our Ohio database for vaccines. And a lot of family physicians, at least and pediatricians locally, weren't utilizing that to its full extent prior to COVID. So we didn't know whether they had all their vaccines or not. Mm-hmm. I would say for the most part, we're going in and we're seeing all the children's vaccines that have been uploaded now into that system. So we're able to log into that system and whether the shots were given at our office or another provider, even in the state of Ohio, we can look and let them know what they need. So I know, you know, at the health department, we've got availability. We're squeezing people in Monday through Friday, even outside of our regular appointment times. And we really take the time to educate our clients Mm. and empower them to make the decisions i know you know sometimes we go into the doctor's office and they bring in the shots and they're like here this is what we have um but we really like to educate and empower those guardians and parents to make the decision Mm -hmm. and if they don't want something right now we're letting them know you know what you can come back and get this one you know go to a reputable source and do your research what is the uh it's like it's more than a, it, it's more than a dozen. It's not quite two dozen that that kids need, right? I mean, it's on the list of the ones that they should have. Uh, at yeah. Various so kindergartners points. need their MMR, their polio, their uh, varicella, which is for chickenpox, mm-hmm. and their hepatitis B. So those are the four that are required by the state that okay. we're looking at to make sure they're up to date. Seventh grade, they're going to need their Tdap and meningitis. And then for seniors, they're going to get a meningitis. The important thing for seniors that we see a lot is people calling that second dose needs to be after the age of 16. Okay. Uh, So those are the ones that are actually required uh, for school entry. I mean, that's the the requirement. That there are others that are recommended uh, in addition Mm -hmm. to those. Yes. So we're very upfront with that when they come to the health department of here's what's required today for your child. However, here's what's recommended. We make sure they know that. I mean, we want to be honest and transparent Mm -hmm. with them and we want to give them those tools. So just I think our clients respect that, that we're not trying to get them to get something that they're not comfortable with. And if they don't want one of them, then again, we give them that education and encourage them to call us back after they think about so it. The uh, the advice is to is to get them all, but the requirement mm-hmm. is just for those critical ones. Can those all be given at the same time? Uh, Most or? of them can. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. So for all the school age I mean, ones that the, I previously outside of the mentioned, comfort of having <laughs> yes, multiple shots at the same there time. There is actually but. no limit of how many shots. It's just the spacing. There are some vaccines that you know if you don't get on the same day and it's a live vaccine you have to wait so long before you can get okay. another but okay and you mentioned uh that there are multiple places to get uh the the vaccines could be from your family doctor the health mm-hmm. department and and whatever right yeah so i would say locally i mean anyone that has an established family doctor mm-hmm. pediatrician family doctor um any local health department around the area offers them So a lot of people will be having back-to-school clinics. Um, We're really just trying to meet them where they're at. However, we will be at a handful of open school um, events. Okay. So 
check with your school to see if we'll be there or not. You're going to see Hancock Mm -hmm. Public Health out there, uh, you know, giving that uh, information. And uh, is there a time frame ahead of the first day of school? I mean, can I take my kids day before the first day of school and and get the shots or is there? I know, like, for example, we talk about the seasonal flu shot, which, by the way, that's coming up, too. Yes, before we know it. (laughs) Make mention of that. Put that in your uh, in your ear as well. But uh, the advice is, you know, it can take a couple of weeks to fully take effect. So is there a Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, the best recommendation would be to get it two weeks before school so that your body has time to build up those antibodies. Yeah. However, as far as, like, school requirements, most schools have really cracked down on if they do not have those records and within two weeks of the start of school, they're not allowed to return to school. So as a healthcare professional, I would really recommend that, you call now, get that appointment scheduled. I know we're really flexible, but I know a lot of family physicians, they're booked out, mm-hmm. probably even past the start of school now. Yeah. So, you know, versus dealing with that frustration of getting that letter from the principal that yeah. your child needs this vaccine and, and I can't get in anywhere. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it's uh, just one more thing on parents' plate, but an important thing because at the end of the day, the repercussions of this are real. Last year, folks remember the measles outbreak in yes. Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, mostly unvaccinated kids mm-hmm. uh, that I think it was something like 80 kids came yeah, down. It was like with, over 85. Yeah. Um, yes. In New York, they had their first case of polio reported in more than a decade. Again, an un- unvaccinated individual. So the repercussions of not doing this are very real. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we want to keep our children in schools and we want to keep them healthy. And I mean, we all saw what happened during COVID and, you know, we know how important that structure is. The last thing we want to do is send a child home. Again, uh, Shannon Chamberlain is Director of Community Health Services for Hancock Public Health this morning, talking about the importance of making sure that your kids are fully vaccinated ahead of back to school. The uh, numbers are uh, rather concerning with the number of children who aren't. And we've got a link up on our webpage for more information. Shannon, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, every year, nearly 40,000 men and women in the U.S. are diagnosed with a form of cancer that can be traced back to the human papillomavirus, or HPV. Joining us this morning to talk about the effort to educate people about the risks and the vaccine that helps prevent those cancers is Dr. Heather Brandt from St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And Dr. Brandt, let's start with the very basics. What is HPV? We'll begin there. Sure. HPV stands for human papillomavirus, but it's just called HPV for short. And HPV is very common in the United States. It's so common that one out of every four people are currently infected with the virus. And nearly everyone will get an HPV infection in their lifetime. Earlier, you mentioned the statistics about the outcomes of those infections, which are nearly 40,000 people each year with HPV cancers and also hundreds of thousands more who are diagnosed with precancers that are caused by HPV. And so HPV vaccination is our best defense in stopping HPV in, in our youth and preventing HPV cancers when they're older. And so if we vaccinate children today, we can prevent 90% of HPV cancers. So HPV vaccination is cancer prevention. Now, that's that's what I was going to ask about how effective uh, the vaccine uh, is at at preventing those cancers that HPV causes. You say 90%. Now, uh, the reason we bring this up right now is that with back to school season, people are hearing these reminders to make sure their kids are up to date on their vaccinations. You say that the HPV vaccine should be one of them. Absolutely. We know that parents and caregivers who make vaccination decisions for their children have a lot of things on that back to school list. Binders, backpacks, pens, pencils, markers, and more. And we hope routinely recommended vaccinations are part of that list, especially in this 9 to 12-year-old age group, which is the focus of our program at St. Jude. And so we want to make sure that HPV vaccination is being given on time by the 13th birthday 
to protect children against getting an HPV infection, that could become an HPV cancer when they're older. By the way, this is for girls and boys. One of the misperceptions about the HPV vaccine is that it is only for girls, but this is not gender specific. That's absolutely right. HPV cancers affect everyone, and so therefore HPV vaccination is for everyone too. Uh, In fact, the most common type of HPV HPV cancer is oral pharyngeal cancers among men, followed by cervical cancer. So it definitely affects everyone, and therefore HPV vaccination is cancer prevention for everyone, too. Now, this vaccine is not new, of course, and uh, many people uh, will recognize that this has been a controversial vaccine uh, in the past. Uh, reports of serious side effects that uh, some people have, have heard about. Some uh, have issues with the uh, moral implications of connecting youth and sexual activity in any way, which is because uh, HPV typically uh, spread through uh, sexual contact. And at the end of the day, uh, Johns Hopkins study found that many uh, parents simply view this as an unnecessary vaccine. Now, I know you have heard all of those objections before. What is your response? Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to address those concerns. So HPV vaccination is not a new vaccine. It's been available and recommended in the United States since 2006. So it's been around for more than 17 years. It has been extensively studied. Uh, It has a very strong safety profile for all of the doses that have been given in the United States and more than 500 million doses of HPV vaccination have been given worldwide. And while many people focus on various stories that they've heard, many of which have been circulated through social media or through their own social networks, uh, we encounter the, this misinformation uh, very routinely. And so we try to focus on the facts. Uh, what we do know, and that is that HPV vaccination has a very strong safety profile. HPV vaccination works to prevent actual cases of cancer. It is very effective. In Australia, for example, where they have very high uptake of HPV vaccination, they are actually on track to eliminate cervical cancers by the year 2035. Wow. And I just want to say that again, eliminate. That's what happens when people focus on the facts uh, with this vaccine and how well it it does work. Um, And then lastly, the HPV vaccine is very long lasting. And some people have concerns about why do we give this vaccine to children? Uh, And you already alluded to it. It's because of the behaviors in which people engage to acquire an HPV infection, we want to make sure that we're protecting children before Before. they would be in some type of situation where they could acquire an HPV infection. And so we can can take out the guesswork here. Uh, HPV vaccination, it's safe, very strong safety profile. It's highly effective in preventing actual cases of cancer in countries, including in the U.S., where we have you know, we have decent uptake. It's highly varied by geographic region and mm-hmm. among certain populations. But even in the U.S., where we haven't reached our national goal, uh, we still have seen a reduction in, in incidence of uh, HPV cancers in some cases and also in the prevalence of HPV. Um, and then it's long-lasting. So it's a durable vaccine uh, children have a very strong immune response to the vaccine. So we really try to kind of reframe and focus on what we do know about the vaccine yeah. and not get lost in some of the um, and important narratives and stories that uh, people use to share information, but sometimes not fully fact-based. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the idea of eliminating any form of cancer is uh, that that definitely will make you sit up and, and pay attention. Should this be a, a requirement? required uh, vaccine, the battery for, uh, for youth? Well, it's an interesting question. And currently um, across the United States uh, territories and jurisdictions, there are five that require HPV vaccination for school entry. And there are a lot of decisions that go into place on whether or not to require a vaccine for school entry. And I don't think we'll get mired down in that conversation today. But just to say that even in the absence of a mandate or requirement, 
Parents and caregivers have an opportunity today to make a decision to protect their children against six types of HPV cancers that they're at risk of developing uh, when they're older. And parents and caregivers want to protect their children from as many things as possible. And that's generally not always the case. Uh, they don't have the ability to make those decisions. And it's an incredible opportunity to take advantage of this cancer prevention tool by getting their child or getting their children vaccinated today. Make, making this a part of the uh, battery of vaccines uh, that you get before your uh, kids head back to school at this time of the year while it is top of mind. Again, Dr. Heather Brandt, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And you have a section of your website uh, dedicated to this. Real quickly, uh, give us that web address. We do. Please come see us online at stjude.org forward slash HPV and stjude.org forward slash bright dash future to learn more about HPV vaccination. Dr. Brandt, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So with all this talk of back to school, school supplies and school clothes and getting the kids vaccinated and even school high school sports right around the corner here before too long going to be uh, talking about high school football and soccer and you know all of those things volleyball marching band i got a i got a marching band i mean i love the football <laughs> but i gotta give props to uh, for the marching band so people all, that are out there so all of this just serves to remind us that uh, summer is rapidly coming to a close so you want to make yes. sure that you take time to enjoy the great outdoors before it's all over and the kids are back in school uh, michelle rumschlag is here from the uh, hancock park district talk about what's happening in the parks in the uh, month of august good yes. morning good morning and just remember it's Technically, summer does not end to the middle of September, but everybody's <laughs> mind. It's like yeah. 4th of July hits and it's like, oh, it's almost over. I and, know. And really, summer starts June 22nd. You're like three weeks in and everybody's yeah. brain, it's like, it's done. Exactly. We're over. Exactly. So 4th of July hits and it seems like, man, yes. before you know it, summer is over. It's but. the seasonal summer is June, you know, July, August, but right. astronomically whatever yeah. it is it's like yeah it's june just on September. the calendar on the calendar yeah. we still have a few right. weeks uh but, but yes that notwithstanding yes. uh august is a great time to uh to get outdoors and uh, yes. you've got a lot of stuff uh, going on this month we do and just remind everybody that hancockparks.com to go to see our full august lineup and by probably the end of today if not tomorrow um september will be out we okay. we want to get the next month of our next season coming up a few more weeks of advertising so september is going to be out there Very um, good. october november will will follow here um by mid-august okay um for sure but um something exciting happening this weekend of course we have our zonta landing boat rentals um still happening through labor day weekend but um we've partnered with the community foundation and they have graciously offered um, or offering half-hour free rentals ah, for this weekend. Okay. To to the to the public and so, so there's a fun for all free fun for all uh, campaign that they've got uh, going yeah, on. They've yeah, they've reached out. They said to different community Very partners cool. and things, and so we came up with this weekend. So um, half-hour rental. Um, but just to remind people, of course, one o'clock last rental at six thirty. Um, our regular, if you want to do our special float option or go out for longer, those regular prices still apply. Okay. So this is not a five dollars off to apply. It's you get on the uh, water for gotcha. an hour. Okay. For free. So All right. if you have been coming out and here's a little reward for coming out, you know, pedal boats, kayaks, canoes, um, or if it's something If you've never yeah, tried. If you've never tried it, right. It's a good way or got a big group and want to come out. Um so again, that will be taking place, and then just also you know remind you, you know, I'm not sure how busy we're going to be. This is going to bring out droves of people, but we do have limitations of number of boats. So okay. I mean, everything else will apply. You might have to wait. It's first come, first serve. And in the meantime, you can go and just hang out in the park, walk and, around the park, and stuff, yeah. right? And so, so this again, the fifth and sixth um, this weekend. So free half hour rentals. Very good. We'd love to see out there. Uh, what else is going on in the month of August here? Um, well, let's talk about getting outside. We're having this Saturday um, a sunrise hike, and that's going to take place out at Oakwoods Nature Preserve, meeting on the porch. Um, so for your early risers, we're meeting at <laughs> 7 o'clock and, and heading out. Um, but what a great time. I mean, this, it's, it's darker out earlier. Mm -hmm. And um, I was sad when I realized the sun is setting before 9 o'clock because mm -hmm. it had been after 9, and I realized it's like 20 to 9. It made me very <laughs> sad for some reason that it's like... 
it's getting darker earlier and lighter later mm-hmm. in the morning. But um, a great time to be out. Again, probably walk through the wetland area and stuff and just see nature yeah. in that early morning light. You do see things th- at that time of the day that you don't see later on. I mean, one right. of the things that... You know, obviously, I get up extremely early and right. come into the studio here uh, earlier in the morning than most people are even awake. And it's very peaceful, very quiet, and a lot of stuff that, you know, is going on, uh, especially in the parks, right. wildlife a, and that kind of thing. There's a good chance. We have tons of deer at Oakland. Yeah. So seeing deer or seeing some of the, you know, a lot of bird activity happens in the morning that you mm-hmm. might not get either later morning or into the afternoon. Um so I think the weather's going to be great. It's going to be a little cool. It's a little cool now in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's no registration. All ages are welcome. So um, all right, sunrise hike five o'clock at the Discovery um, Center. Porch. Very good. Uh, what else is on the agenda on the calendar here? Um, about mid month, we're having a monarch hunt um, on Thursday, August Thursday, seventeenth. So that's going to take place out at Ireland Recreation Area, meeting in the shelter at ten o'clock. And so this is for families with kids ages six and up. Uh, no registration is free. You just need to show up. And so, yeah, walking at Ireland, um, checking out the, the milkweed plants, of course. Monarchs lay their eggs on there because that's what the larvae, the caterpillars eat um, when they hatch out. And so, um, and just what other activity. I mean, I'm sure they'll be going up by Goose Lake. There's lots of dragonflies and stuff. So, again, if you're trying to get those, let's get outside kind of activities or family mm-hmm. activities. I know I'm trying to do that with my family, some things we want to do before yeah. um, back to school kind of happens. Um, what a great way, to, again, to be out and kind of look for those monarch butterflies. Mm-hmm. So Thursday Absolutely. the 17th, 10 o'clock. And maybe you've never been to Ireland or haven't been in a while. And so it's a great time to go with a guide, with one one of mm-hmm. our program staff, yeah. to, to kind of get your feet wet, you know, yeah. if, if you've never ventured in a park, you know, before. Yeah. Kind of a neat park. It's very open. It is. Uh, it was kind of grassland plains. And uh, it's type great of in the woods. It, there's actually little um, terrain. So mm-hmm. kind of like Litzenberg, you've got a little bit. It's not the flat. Right. So if you wanted that. Um, and it's quiet. It's not heavily mm-hmm. used like Riverbend and Oakwoods and some of our you know major parks that we've got are, are just well known. Um, so it is. It's a nice little escape. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it might become your, your new favorite too. To there you go. Uh, anything else to uh, highlight in the month of August here? Um, well, I, I, I'm doing a, uh, a natural sled morning kayak. So again, for those early risers, mm-hmm. um, on Wednesday, August 23rd, again, meeting at seven o'clock. Um, and their thought is somebody called and like, are we really going out at seven? Um, it, <laughs> hey, you're hiking at five, then yeah, you're going out at seven. So, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's to beat that heat. So, you know, hopefully yeah. the major, we haven't had a lot of heat this summer, luckily. And that's last weekend was enough for me. Um, or last week. So hopefully that's all behind us. Um, but that is too. And not only the heat, but the sun, the way that the sun hits the water. If we go later, we are going east toward uh-huh. Bright Road Bridge there behind Brinkman's in okay. East Point, and you are looking in the sun, and the okay. sun's reflecting All off right. the water. There you go. So plus, it's twofold, yeah. Plus, you get up a, a little bit earlier, sort of get into that routine of getting up for, you know, back to school time and all of that. Right. You get back into your routine. Right. So, so there is, you go. So this is for adults, um, 18 <laughs> and up. So um, $15, we just need to register by the day before. All right. Um, and there's a limitation of how many people and stuff but it is again it's one of those you're on the water it's kind of quiet out mm-hmm. you know what work birds and other wildlife are you going to see yeah. you know that early in the morning so and it's meant to be very leisurely just to get on the water and just again have a nice relaxing yeah. time uh, lazy okay. hazy crazy days of summer yes maybe not too hate again i mean moments. if it's like this morning i mean it's a little it was a little chilly. I'm. I, I'm. Yeah, I'm has, not. The past com- couple of mornings have been. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Like, <laughs> it can be like this. I'm. Gonna, I just don't need the. Hey, it's 85. The end of September. We dog days of summer. We get. I'm, I just don't. <laughs> we have this conversation every year. Yes. Right about this time. Uh, as long I, as hey, I will do that if I get snow in December. You know, everybody. I love my snow. <laughs> I don't need it in November. It's too early. De- for December for like. Why don't we break great to do skiing? It's so far removed. And I can now. hear people out there saying, "I can't believe Michelle, that she. You are. I, I can't believe that she brought up the word snow. <laughs> it's only August. <laughs> we're always looking ahead. If we're thinking summer's over in you, July, I can look. I, I love fall. Fall's my favorite season. I'm trying <laughs> Fall's not, everyone's favorite I'm season. I'm trying not to rush and then and then I have um I have a senior this year, so I'm trying to just be in the moment <laughs> and not rush anything. There you so go. So we don't need snow until 
Mid, right. Mid-December. I'll, we'll compromise and say mid-December, the snow can start flying. Uh, again, all of the uh, stuff for August and uh, the August is up there now, September yes. soon. September should be, okay. yep, hopefully sometime today, but definitely by sometime this week. Very good. We've got the link up yep. at our webpage too. Again, Michelle Rumschlag from the uh, Hancock Park District with us this morning. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A Chinese man ended up in the hospital after getting a light bulb stuck in his mouth thanks to the latest social media challenge. (laughs) Mr. Chen, this is uh, the report, Mr. Chen entered, uh, walked into a fire station last week unable to speak. The uh, first responders, paramedics, uh, discovered that Mr. Chen had a light bulb stuck in his mouth, which presented a bit of a challenge. They didn't want to break the glass uh, because obviously that would uh, cause, uh, could cause some serious injuries. Uh, so they didn't want to do that uh, and, and hurt him even further. So he was taken to the local hospital where doctors had to dislocate his jaw on one side very carefully, I might add, to prevent breaking the bulb. They broke his jaw instead. Um, They did eventually get the light bulb out. But again, the reason for the incident, he had seen someone do it on social media and wanted to see if he too could fit a light bulb into his mouth. Most people grow out of that by the age of, what, six, seven? Don't, just... <laughs> Don't try this at home. Elsewhere in the broken news, staying in the international file, this also in China, the Hangzhou Zoo uh, has had to uh, go online to clarify and confirm and reassure visitors that their Malaysian sun bears are not people in bear costumes. (laughs) Video of uh, one bear in particular named Angela attracted attention because of the way she stands. Her skinny legs and her upright posture give the bear a strangely human appearance. And I've seen the photos. It does kind of look like a person in a bear costume. But zookeepers say that the Malaysian sun bears are smaller than other bears and look different. Officials also claim that a human in a bear costume would certainly not be able to stand the hot temperatures of summer. Uh, Sun bears are about the size of a large dog and can stand about uh, four, four and a half feet tall, something like that. (laughs) It does look like a person in a costume. They are assuring people that their bears are bears and not people in bear costumes being kept at the zoo. (laughs) Uh, Also from the international file this morning, this is kind of unusual, our neighbors to the north, a real estate agent in British Columbia, Canada, uh, has been fined and censured uh, when he was caught drinking the milk in a homeowner's refrigerator straight from the jug. Uh, Mike Rose was actually showing the home to some potential buyers uh, last month when the owners looked at their home video security cameras. They saw the real estate agent open the door of the refrigerator, take the milk jug out, and take a swig right from the jug, not using a glass, then put the cap on it, put it back in in the fridge. (laughs) That is not exactly an ethical thing to do. He has been fined $15,000 for unethical conduct. Uh, He claims he was on a new medication and was under a lot of stress and also felt unusually dehydrated that day. (laughs) $15,000 swig of milk there. That's yikes. Uh, Let's see. We have quite a bit of uh, broken news this morning. Uh, This from uh, Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, I believe. Is that right? Lehigh County. Uh, a jail inmate tried to pull a Houdini uh, and uh, escape. Um, Didn't work out well for this uh, prisoner. He actually did pull off the escape from the clutches 
of the uh, the jail. He was uh, uh, being processed as an incoming inmate when he made a break for it. Um, but he was found about 10 minutes later at a nearby nightclub. <laughs> that's that's where he went, a nearby nightclub, and he was rounded up about 10 minutes later. Not sure exactly what he intended to do with his uh, newfound freedom, but now he won't have to worry about it. Not quite Houdini, as it turns out. A Southern California man is facing charges for allegedly prank calling the local sheriff's office over 7,000 times over the span of four months earlier this year. 7,000 prank phone calls to the sheriff's office. San San Bernardino County Sheriff's officials uh, said Luke Dumas... uh, would always call the the calls would always come from an unknown number and were harassing and annoying. They say the prank calls also kept kept staff from attending to actual emergency calls. Um, how they figured out that he was the guy behind it, uh, the story doesn't say. But seven thousand prank calls over the course of uh, four months earlier this year. Yeah, not, not too bright. Um. Speaking of uh, California and Southern California, um, again, we have this general rule of thumb that when people die, it's not funny. But sometimes the circumstances surrounding the tragic event are rather humorous, and I think this is a case of that. A body was found on Monday morning inside a 55-gallon drum that washed up on a beach in Southern California. (laughs) Investigators of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, that's certainly not the funny part here, uh, but allow me to read on. The investigators of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department have been on the sand in Malibu investigating. No information has been provided about the identity of the individual but and this is what made me chuckle the the report goes on to say the case is being investigated as a homicide a a body in a 55 gallon drum and they believe it may be a homicide (laughs) as opposed to someone who accidentally locked themselves in a 55 gallon drum I, I would say homicide is a pretty good guess. There. <laughs> They're investigating as a possible homicide. <laughs> Alrighty then. And finally, in the broken news this morning, score one for common sense. You actually may remember this story. I believe we had it in the uh, broken news several months ago. A federal judge in South Florida has thrown out a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the Kraft Food Company. A Miami-Dade County woman filed the suit late last year, claiming the company was misleading customers about how long it takes to prepare its Velveeta microwave mac and cheese dinners. Do you remember this story? The company was accused of violating federal law by saying it takes three and a half minutes to prepare. Ready? In just three and a half minutes. This woman said that the time that they put on the box of three and a half minutes did not include the amount of time it takes to remove the lid and add water. And so she filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit for false advertising. A Miami district judge has now tossed out the case, saying the woman did not have standing to follow through with the $5 million class action lawsuit. Score one for common sense. It's newsworthy because it doesn't happen very often. There you go. That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. 
I'm Tommy Harner, CEO of West Ohio Food Bank. Did you know that a donation of only $1 can provide up to five meals for a family? If you'd like to volunteer, donate, or host a food drive, contact us at wofb.org. If you or someone you know needs help, you can find out when food distributions are taking place by signing up for the mobile text alerts. Just text the word West Ohio Food Bank to 419-757-4981. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It might be overstating it a bit to say that back to school uh, in another generation or two might not be a thing because we won't have any kids to send back to school. But a new survey of 1,000 adults between the ages of 18 and 34, so young adults who have not yet started a family, does find that only half, only half of these Gen Z and millennial adults actually plan to start a family at some point. Only half. As a matter of fact, in a more demonstrative show of remaining childless, one in four respondents in the survey have already decided against ever having children never going to have children 20 percent say that they are unsure kind of interesting the most common reason 49 percent of those in the survey so nearly half say the reason they're not going to have kids is their desire to focus more on themselves which may sound selfish but if you ask any parent when you have kids you have less time to yourselves so it is not Necessarily an unfounded concern. Financial issues were cited by 47% of those in the poll. Uh, The cost of raising a kid today is so expensive that they either can't afford it or don't want to spend that kind of money raising kids. And I thought this was kind of interesting. 38% in the survey said that fears about the state of the world were the reason that they are not going to have kids. And just don't want to bring a kid into this world that is so messed up and that's something you hear from one generation to the next i mean you always i think any young parents say what kind of a world are we bringing this kid into but 38 percent of those uh, cite that as a reason to not have kids Uh, 35 percent cite environmental concerns that are associated with having children uh, as being troubling uh, career aspirations and family health issues uh, were cited by 28 and 22 percent of young adults, respectively. And as far as those uh, family medical issues, you can certainly uh, see where that would be a uh, concern and a reason to think twice about bringing kids into the world if you're uh, concerned about, you know, family uh, medical history that kind of thing. Especially if there's a serious medical uh, condition in your uh, family's background. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. Even those who intend to have children someday say they plan to not have more than two. That seems to big families are definitely on the way out. 56% say the reason they're going to limit to two, uh, the number of kids they do have, financial constraints is the biggest concern um, that deterred them from wanting a larger family. And 4 in 10, 43% to be specific, expressed the concern that they would not have enough time to provide ample attention to more than two children. If you have a big family, you can't give each kid the amount of time that they deserve. Now, despite all of this in the survey, 71% of young adults still feel societal pressure to have children. 40% say this pressure comes directly from family members, and moms are the most likely to apply this pressure. 68% said their mothers are pressuring them to have kids, even if they don't want them. Grandmothers and fathers are the next in line to apply pressure (laughs) to young people to have kids. big event happening tonight the annual flag city night out happens later today at riverside park 
was a big gathering of law enforcement agencies, Finley Police Department and law enforcement agencies, uh, with uh, all kinds of fun and games uh, happening at Riverside Park. Just a, a great way to connect with the community. Uh, and even though the fun and games is what brings people out to the Flag City Night Out event, the ultimate purpose is anything but fun and games. In case you missed it, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke with FPD Crime Prevention Officer Brian White. When we go back and we talk about crime prevention, one of the biggest parts of crime prevention is information yeah. and sharing information with others. And really, that was kind of the tenet behind Block Watch or Neighborhood Watch, as it's sometimes referred to. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's uh, you know sharing, hey, my garage was broken into. Uh, I saw someone lurking around your car. Mm-hmm. Sharing that information with other people. Yeah. And that same idea carries over to Flag City Night Out. Yeah. Now, uh, night out events have been happening at least across our country since 1984, and that was just kind of another way of spreading information, getting information out to the community, as well as doing all the fun stuff as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, uh, and and that's another uh, component to this uh, with the fun and games and getting involved in the community, making your presence known. And in the good old days, years ago, <laughs> you had uh, you had officers that were assigned to specific neighborhoods, that's often correct, yeah. often on foot patrol. So you would see everybody in the neighborhood. They would know you, you would know them. Obviously, times change and that's not possible anymore. This is one way of sort of reestablishing that connection. Yeah. When we talk about uh, community relations or community policing, that's really what it is, working hand in hand with the community. So mm-hmm. if you dial it back, yes, uh, there were officers in your neighborhoods, yeah. walking the beat, so to speak, and mm-hmm. getting to know everyone. And that facilitated that exchange of information because you get to know that person as yeah. a person, not just a badge or symbol or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a personal relationship. And again, that, that kind of goes back to this event as well, where we walk around, we're talking with people, and there's been several times where people come up to me and, hey, you guys are, are just regular guys like everyone else. By the right. way, I, I, we got this issue in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, the more you know about what's going on in the neighborhood, the better you can patrol an area and prevent crime and, you know, that kind of thing. Solve crimes when they do happen, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Us driving around patrol cars, we might drive around your neighborhood and see a red car parked in your driveway. To us, it's just a car. probably lives there. Right. To you, you know where or not that car belongs there, Mm -hmm. right? Where or not belongs in your neighbor's driveway. Exactly. That's where that information comes in. Yeah. You mentioned uh, this is kind of, this came out of an extension of the uh, neighborhood uh, watch program uh those programs still exist though don't that's they? correct yeah yep here in finley we have about 33 watches on the books that's not to say that each one of those are active 100 mm-hmm. percent. because when we talk about neighborhood watch or block watch it is a community program it is mm-hmm. that individual watches or neighborhoods responsibility to kind of run their watch the police department is just that information liaison where we come in share information about what's happening yeah facilitate that exchange of with our officers about what you're seeing in your neighborhood mm-hmm. and also offering some kind of training to what to spot, how to report it. There is also, uh, obviously just like every other, uh, aspect of society these days, uh, the internet and social media has changed that. And, and you see a lot of that, uh, on social media as well. Absolutely. Um, so social media, uh, blessings and curses, right? It sure. works both ways, mm-hmm. but, uh, again, information out to your, uh, neighborhood. That's a great resource, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different uh, social media platforms, that you can actually create your own neighborhood watches, so to speak, share information with each other. Right. Uh, where not Facebook or uh, Nextdoor, all those different kinds of applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, even I have a Ring doorbell camera at home, yep. and there's a whole community there uh, that uh, shares information and sometimes videos and, and that kind of thing to uh, keep people. And all of this kind of ties into one ultimate uh, purpose, which is making our neighborhoods uh, safe, keeping our neighborhoods safe. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And really, that's what crime prevention is all about, setting ourselves up so that we don't become the victim of crime what yeah. can we do to help uh ensure our safety and security yeah. and that, that's where the crime prevention officer comes in by tips and tricks right mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we mentioned the uh, Flag City Night Out is right around the corner. Give us all of the uh, details on this. Yeah, so we're looking at uh, Tuesday, August 1st, okay. um, 6 to 9 p.m. down at Riverside Park. Same location as in the past, so uh, if you've ever been to it before, you're going to the same exact place. So, again, a lot of the information, Sharon, that's a big component. Uh, free food, entertainment, Pantasia will be there like in years past, playing some music for everyone. They're always great about it. Uh, we'll be hosting our ninth annual mascot game. So mm-hmm. Gary mascots will come out, compete in what we like to say is Olympics uh, to the layperson. It's more uh, musical <laughs> chairs and dance competition. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's pretty laid back, pretty easy. Uh, we will also have uh, the police and fire games where police officers will pair up with kids. Firefighters will pair up with kids and kind of compete in some of the, the similar games mm-hmm. and lots and lots of demonstrations. So drones will be out there. The police canines, uh, something we started last year, which uh, proved to be a very good demonstration was our um, less lethal tools demonstration. A lot of people mm. see our beanbag shotguns or our tasers. And yeah. Pepper spray, and they're like, "Well, what do you use these for? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are they safe?" Yeah, and that's kind of what we show. We do a couple demonstrations. Last year, we had someone get tased. Someone that we know from our group, <laughs> not just someone, <laughs> yeah, not just some random person walking <laughs> by. So, so don't worry volunteers. about that. <laughs> and uh, we also deployed our uh, less lethal shotgun, which fires a kind of a beanbag round. Hmm. It's something that we can utilize in the event that uh, someone has a weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. rather than us using a firearm, we can turn to one of these tools to hopefully yeah. de-escalate that situation. Yeah, because so, nobody wants to use deadly force if they don't have to. Absolutely. Yeah. In the past, that used to be kind of our only option, mm-hmm. uh, but now we have all these different tools that, that help us yeah. do our job. Yeah. So we'll be doing a demonstration like that. Um, there Also, our resource fair. Uh, that, that's something that uh, when I came in, I really wanted to expand on because it's a lot of people in one place. Again, information sharing, which right. is all mark a block watch. So getting resources out to the community what's mm-hmm. available so we'll have a lot of nonprofits there kind of offering their services to the community or at least sharing what they had to yeah. offer so uh, again information uh, just makes us a stronger community Absolutely. and again this is open to all uh within the community and you know within the area right yep, yep. yeah, yeah we, so. we don't block it off for anyone if uh you happen to be in finley that night feel free to come on out yeah, and part of our conversation with Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White about tonight's Flag City Night Out event at Riverside Park. If you want to hear the complete conversation with Brian, you can check out the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. It is available uh, on the WFIN app or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You want to scroll down to the podcast from the 19th of July, I think is when... Uh, Brian was here and we spoke to him about that. But uh, again, more information about the Flag City Night Out event is posted at our webpage. You can go to goodmornings.net. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. And that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a look back at the people, places, and things that most captured our attention in the month of July from the search trends experts at Google. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.